Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I am your host, Eric A.K.A. Sulior, and I feel like I am back from the dead. Um, <laughs> if you listened to the last episode, you probably know that I had a really nasty cold that apparently I wasn't still completely over because it was still affecting my brain a little bit, so... Those of you who listened to the last episode pretty early on know that I put out the episode without having the edited version of the skit as a part of it, so it was unedited. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a little bit of a cluster, I apologize. So, although some of you say that you did enjoy it because it was kind of a peek behind the curtain, so if that's the case, then... Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, Otherwise, uh, if you did listen to it and haven't listened to it since then, it has been fixed since a few hours after I posted that. So I, I guess, didn't realize that just by looking at the time code on how long that uh, segment was, that it was the unedited version. So it was, unfortunately, had to be pointed out to me by somebody else. So thank you. And, uh, yeah, I guess it's just something that you live and learn. But, yes, please, if you haven't checked that episode out, please go listen to it. There's a lot of good info in there, and the finished version of the skit, I think, was very well done. Thank you once again to KDB for not only hopping on and playing the role of the Thalmor agent, but also providing a little bit of polish to that segment. So, yes, thank you very much. I thought it turned out really, really great. So definitely, definitely go check that out. And I hope to do more like that in the future. Anyway, as far as news goes, uh, there's not a whole lot. Excuse me. Um... There's a, I mean, there's more about Fallout than there is about Elder Scrolls right now. We're just, we're really coming up on the release of Blackwood, and I can't wait for that. So, yeah, there's, there's been some updates on Fallout, but yeah, we're just waiting on the release of Blackwood. However, if you would like more information about Mayrun's Dagon, there is an article on the Elder Scrolls Online page where the character of Lyrinth, who is somebody who's going to be a big part of the chapter, she is in the prequel quest. She's a a female Dramora that aids you. And uh, so uh, Lyrinth is providing a little bit of background. So it's kind of interesting. It's an article written from the perspective of Lyrinth. So I will post a link for that in the show notes. And... um, yeah. I should mention that there is a new trailer out for the Blackwood chapter. I will post a link for that also. It's pretty cool. It talks about the four ambitions and this deal that this emperor struck with Mayrun's Dagon. It kind of talks about stuff that happens in the past and while it's going on about that. It, the art style I thought was pretty cool. It, it's kind of like sketchwork art. So... Basically, it gives you a little bit more information about the story behind the Blackwood chapter. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. 
as I've mentioned before, Oblivion was my introduction not only to the Elder Scrolls series, but Bethesda at all, period. So I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to this. Also, the studio director has recently said that ESO will not end as long as it's got a player base, so I don't see it happening anytime soon. I recently heard a uh, an interview with Rich Lambert, and he basically said the same thing, where um, they were kind of asking how many more stories they could tell, and he said just tons. So, yeah, it's not going anywhere. It's still got over 18, mil 18 million people playing. So, um, yeah, I will definitely post a link for the trailer in the show notes, as well as the article with Lyrinth. Also, I don't know if I've mentioned the companion system, but one thing that's going to roll out with this new chapter when that gets updated is the companion system. So... We are going to be getting companions, guys. That's that's pretty exciting. Uh, hopefully they won't constantly be getting in the way of our arrow shots and blocking doorways. So hopefully they'll, they'll fix all that mess. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to having someone to travel with that's not a real person. As much as I love traveling with real people, if you would like to uh, play with me on uh, ESO, definitely let me know. And I will tell you how to do that at the end of the show. But yeah, we're going to be getting NPC companions. So I guess the the um, you know method for that or whatever, for the lack of a better word, has always been in the game. But now they're finally working it into the system. So I'm kind of curious to see exactly how that goes. But it'll be fun, guys. We're you know I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, as far as what I've been playing goes, I've been playing a lot of ESO lately. So I mentioned in the last episode that it was a goal of mine to finish the Greymore chapter before Blackwood drops, and I did it. Um, I did it, Not I think, this past weekend. You guys have probably noticed that I haven't been streaming a lot lately. I've only streamed, like, twice this past week so yeah there's a lot going on uh with me personally my wife stayed home from work uh monday and tuesday and you know how that goes if you have a spouse that doesn't really play video games so yeah i wasn't able to stream those two days um also i've mentioned on the show that we are getting ready for a move. Well, it turns out that's probably going to happen within a month. And not only that, but this move is... We're going to be moving eight hours away. So it's a really, really big move for us. We're moving two states away, and neither one of us have lived out of state before. So this is big, and it's coming up fast. So we're preparing for that. But also, my sister is getting married this weekend. So there's a lot been going on with that too. So I haven't had a ton of time, but I have made sure to play some ESO. And yeah, I finished the Greymore chapter and we've still got a couple weeks, two, three weeks before, actually, yeah, about three weeks before Greymore, not Greymore, uh, Blackwood drops for us uh, console players. 
and so I've got, yeah, I've got a little bit of time, so I've been working on the Somerset chapter because that is the one that I have not finished, period. I finished all, almost all of them on PC. I never finished Greymore on PC, but now I've completed Morrowind twice. Um, oh, yeah, I, I, I didn't mention... So since I finished Greymore, I've also finished Morrowind on Xbox. So now I've completed Morrowind twice. So I've moved on to Somerset because, like I said, I've never finished that one before. It was kind of difficult when I was playing it on PC, but I was also a lower level. I remember one part where you are taking on a Yagra monstrosity that was being... Um, controlled by a slowed and I had to get help with that and of course that person just annihilated the monstrosity within a few seconds when I kept getting <laughs> excuse me I kept getting my head handed to me yes sorry I've got I've still got a little bit of a cough from my cold it just won't go away um so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to completing this too there's a lot going on on Somerset so I've also been of course been playing a lot of Fallout 76 you know working the new scoreboard and I I've got some thoughts on that too I really hate the armor piercing gimmick with the daily ops that they're doing now and of course there for a while they were shoving daily ops down our throat and you know for the most part i enjoy daily ops but i don't like the fact that they're making it kind of a necessity with the daily scoreboard they did back off about you know on that a little bit so there for at least a week there was not one but two daily ops challenges in the daily, um, you know, daily tasks, and it, it's, uh, I, I don't care for when they make it kind of a requirement for the gold star, you know, they, they do, if it's, if it's only one daily challenge that's daily ops related, fine, you know, there are other things that you can do if you just absolutely not want to do it, you can work on leveling up, you know, and all the other stuff. <laughs> So I'm glad they've backed off on that a little bit. I don't care for Nuclear Winter. Uh, I've never been a Battle Royale person. So I picked up Fortnite when it first came on the Switch and dropped it about five minutes later. Anyway, that, that's just me. You, there are people who absolutely love Battle Royales, and if you enjoy them, more power to them. Or more power to you. But it's not my bag, baby. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's really about it as far as what I've been playing. I did hop into Mass Effect again for a little bit. I finally finished the first mission and am now off. I'm back on the, the spaceship or I'm at a spaceport now after um, Mass Effect 1. I should clarify that. Yeah, Mass Effect 1. I know that a lot of people skipped that one, but I wanted to play it. It's free on Game Pass. Yeah, Game Pass has 1, 2, 3, and Andromeda. I'm not sure what Andromeda is. I know people mainly just talk about the first three. And I don't see myself buying the Legacy Collection at the moment, so I did want to play them. And I will say that after you beat that first mission, I guess, uh, you know, 
Shepard does become a little less wooden. Uh, that was one of my criticisms at the beginning, was that he just seemed really wooden. But, um, yeah, I do know of a Mass Effect podcast done by N7 Lionheart. It's called the uh, Element Zero Podcast. So, shout out to Taylor uh, N7 Lionheart. And he's been a guest on Tapes from Waste, the show I do with KDB on Fallout. So, uh, go check them out if you want more Mass Effect information. So, anyway... I'm going to take a short break. I've been rambling a bit, and I am going to give you all the info that I know on Al Malexia. So stay tuned, guys. All right, guys, welcome back after that short break. So let's talk Al Malexia. So, as always, the information is coming from the UESP wiki. I tried looking at the fandom page, and it just kept redirecting me to information about the game itself and not so much the character, Almalexia. Yeah, it, uh, it was directing me to the article on the Tribunal expansion of Morrowind. And there's a lot more about Almalexia than just what happens in the Tribunal expansion. Yes, there is a lot that happens with the Tribunal in the, the Tribunal expansion, but there's there's quite a bit more in the history of Almalexia and the Tribunal as a whole. So, yes, this information is coming from the UESP article. So, kind of like with the... Uh, the divines there is a quote here at the top of the article and this is from the 36 lessons of vivek sermon 36 so especially in the game morrowind but you can find these books in most of the games the 36 lessons of vivek i don't know if they were as popular after the events of morrowind but you can definitely find them scattered throughout Morrowind. So this quote says, Aem, A-Y-E-M, threw down her cloak and became the face-snaked queen of the three-in-one. Those that looked upon her were overcome by the meanings of the stars. So Almalexia, also known as Almalexia the Lover, Almalexia the Warden, and Aem. So Aem, yeah, that's uh, that was a name there of course, was one of the three god kings who instituted the tribunal, or Almsivi, along with Vivek and Sothasil. She was very popular among the, the Dunmer, who called her the Healing Mother, Lady of Mercy, and Mother Morrowind. So, uh, Almalexia also showed, well, all three of the tribunal show up in ESO in different spots. So Almalexia, you can actually find in the base game. She is, I believe, in uh, Ebonheart. Uh, I could be wrong, but it's it's not Vardenfell. But she's in mainland Morrowind. There's a whole little quest line that goes it has to do with her. And your character refers to her as Mother Morrowind. 
So uh, the Dunmer knew her as the source of compassion, sympathy, forgiveness, and the protector of the poor and weak, and the patron of teachers and healers. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there, that's a uh, there's a lot to unpack there. So she resided in the temple, this temple city of Mournhold. Okay, so it was Mournhold, not Ebonheart. I apologize. So yeah, you you can actually just go see her in Mournhold. So it's uh, within the city of Almalexia, the capital of Marwyn, and she was closely associated with Resdane. So if you remember my episodes on Mar or in the Dunmer, you know that Resdane was the original name of the province of Marwyn. So as a living god, she became the consort of Vivek, who was associated who associated with her with the stars. I don't know why that was so hard to say. I apologize. So originally, the counselors to Nerevar, Indoral Nerevar, the tribunal came to power among the Dunmer following her husband's death. So uh, right there, it mentions that Almalexia was the wife of Indoral Nerevar. So um, she, or the, the, uh, the Nerevar, Indor Nerevar was killed during the Battle of Red Mountain circa 1st era 700 and before his death they swore oaths to Nerevar upon Azura that they would never use the tools of Kagnarak on the heart of Lorcan in order to steal its divine essence for themselves. <laughs> so uh yeah, part of the, the whole, one of the things about the Battle of Red Mountain is, yes, uh, Nandoral Nerevar met his untimely death, but there are disputes as to how that happened, whether he just died naturally in battle or he if, if he was actually killed by the members of the tribunal. So I don't know if that's something we will ever find out for sure, but if that's true, then uh, yeah, that that's pretty messed up. So a few years after this happened, Almalexia and her fellow tribunes broke that oath to become living gods. This led to the transformation of the Chimer to the Dunmer, and the tribunal became their immortal protectors, leaders, and gods. So this seems to indicate that the dragon break that happened at the Battle of Red Mountain is due to the fact that the members of the tribunal actually stole the divine essence from the heart of Lorcan to and give the give it like dispersed amongst themselves. So and that also led to the transformation of the Chimer to the Nunmer, which makes sense because if you look at the members of the tribunal, it's almost looking at the process of the transformation itself. So Almalexia has the skin color of a chimer. So it, it's a really bright, brilliant gold color. You know, it, it's it's more brilliant than the Altmer. And it, well, hopefully, you know, the Altmer probably wouldn't like to hear that, but it's true. Like, I just think that they're, you know, the chimer skin color is just more brilliant than that of the Altmer. And if you look at Vivek, he is split down the middle. Literally, uh, he's his skin color, half of it is Chimer and half of it is Dunmer. 
Like it's it's proportionate. Like uh, if you cut him in half from top to bottom, half of it, it, it it's interesting to look at. And then Sothasil is his skin color is completely that of a Dunmer, that ashen gray. So it, it makes sense that they're the reason why the change happened. It's, um, and you know they kind of call Dunmer the well I don't know if they actually call them that but it's almost like a curse that happened. And Vardenfell itself was never the same. Red Mountain was never the same. That's why the Denver kind of talk like this, you know, the mountain just completely, the, the air around Vardenfell is just completely ashen. So, it, you know, that's why they kind of talk like they've been smoking for 50 years, at least around Vardenfell and Red Mountain. So, let's see, the truth of how they gained their divinity was covered up according to the Hierographia the orthodox public teachings of the tribunal temple. Their divinity was more spontaneous result of of their supernatural virtue, discipline, wisdom, and insight. The power of Almalexia and the other tribunals declined during the struggle with Dagoth III during the Third Era, and Almalexia eventually lost her mind along with her power. During the time of the Nervenian prophecies of third era 427 this is the events of Morrowind and specifically the tribunal expansion she killed Sothasil and then died in a failed attempt to kill the Nerevarine so the Nerevarine is the spiritual reincarnation of Endoral Nerevar so this is kind of spoilers for the game Morrowind but there is a prophecy made about the uh, you know the return of Endoral Nerevar in the form of the Nerevarine and a lot of the main quest in Morrowind is fulfilling these prophecies so at least at the beginning there's a character who kind of tells you some of these prophecies and basically instructs you to go do them and eventually well there there's also not only are there prophecies, you know, there's prophecies on how to tell, uh, excuse my cat, by the way, he keeps screaming in the background, um, how to tell if someone is indeed the Nerevarine or a false incarnate. And that kind of is the events of the Morrowind chapter of ESO also is where there is a guy going around claiming to be the Nerevarine and it turns out he is indeed a false incarnate. So, um, basically at the end of Morrowind, of course these are all spoilers here, at the end of the Morrowind game, you have to destroy the Heart of Lorcan, and that helps bring about the end of Dagoth-Ur, and let's, you know, lo and behold, the Tribunal don't take very kindly to their power being taken away. So let's get into a little bit more of Almalexia's history. And uh, so Almalexia, uh, little is known of Almalexia before she became the Nerevar's wife. The temple myths hold that the Mount Asuranibi, I think is how you pronounce that, uh, Molekbal oversaw the 99 lovers of Boethia who gave birth to her. 
she hailed from one of the great houses of Marwin. So Marwin has four great houses. There's Hlalu, there is Telvani, there's um, Redoran, and Indoral. And these houses basically form the Dunmer Council. So a lot of the traditions and, you know, just ways of life in Morrowind are organized, uh, in, you know, by these great houses. So Almalexia came from one of these great houses. It's, it's almost kind of like, uh, you know, the, the members of the great houses are of one particular family line from the Denver people. So Vivek's prose suggests that she was already a ruler when she met Indoral Nerevar, who was working as a guard for a merchant caravan at the time. Nerevar happened to be a generation older than Almalexia, but they ended up married. The Denver king Dumak, who became Nerevar's close friend, presented them with twin blades of the highest Dwemeri craftsmanship. Almalexia's is known as Hope's Fire. Sources conflict on how her husband met his demise, which I mentioned earlier. Nobody really... There's a lot of theory... Or not theory, yeah, but rumor and innuendo on uh, just how he died. Most attribute it to wounds he received during the Battle of Red Mountain, but there are people, uh, mostly Ashlanders, who rejected the tribunal worship and believed that Almalexia and her fellow tribunes murdered her husband so that he would not interfere with their plan to take the divine power. So the plan to steal the power from the heart of Lorcan apparently had been in place for a long time. So as soon as the tribunal stole the power from the heart, Azura appeared and cursed them. So... Yeah, Azura is kind of the reason why the shift happened, the transformation happened. And, uh, uh, which is funny because in the Morrowind chapter, and I forgot to mention this earlier, I posted a picture on social media where in the ESO expansion of Morrowind, you kind of meet Azura in person multiple times. So she kind of possesses a Dunmer woman, a couple of Dunmer women actually, but it's very clearly Azura. The whole star and crescent moon symbols appear in her hands. So um, the Daedric Prince Azura issued the prophecy that the Nerevarine would return and punish them for breaking their oaths. When Sothisil waved off her omens, the Dunmer were created, and Azura gave the final prophecy that the Dunmer would share the tribunal's fate until the end of time. So not only were the tribunal cursed, but the Dunmer, the Chimer people also, you know, eventually became the Dunmer as a result of all that. So, um, though confused at the t at first, the Dunmer, with the exception of the Ashlanders, did come to accept the tribunal as their new gods. So, they take this power from the heart of Lorcan and go, guess what? We're gods, so please worship us. So, in... Yeah. It, so, in the 
Morrowind, the uh, in the game Morrowind, the divines, uh, the the worship of the divines is called the imperial cult. When uh, yeah, in in all actuality, the tribunal are kind of the false gods. You can actually in Morrowind, you can go see Vivek in person in the Ministry of Truth, the the floating rock above Vivek City, and you can actually kill you know Vivek if you want to. He's not easy. I haven't tried it myself, but I know of people who have. It's not the easiest thing to do, and it takes a long time, but it's it's possible. I don't think you could do that with the Daedra or the Divines. I mean, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that's possible. So, uh, theological concerns gave rise to the idea of the anticipations, the quote-unquote good Daedra, the Chimer had worshipped before the tribunal's apotheses. So, why the tri- while the tribunal had once been mortal and non-existent before that, their anticipations were said to have guided the Chimer in their stead. The good Daedra are the princes of oblivion who apparently acknowledged the tribunal's authority over the Dunmer, as opposed to the bad Daedra, spirits who did not accept the tribunal. The anticipation of Almalexia was Boethia, the prince of plots. So, uh, here's a little bit more about Almalexia's uh, perception. Almalexia wielded her divine power for the protection and the benefit of the Dunmer for thousands of years. So, yeah, all this happened in the first era. The They don't meet their end until close to the end of the third era. So, that that's quite a bit of time. So, the Sill largely remained aloof of if and uh, mysterious but Almalexia and Vivek both took very active roles in leading their people throughout the first and second eras and Sothasil is basically just content to be a part of his own creation which is the clockwork city we'll talk more about Sothasil here in a couple of or actually next episode if we're doing these in alphabetical order so he is basically the mechanic of the three, kind of like Hephaestus of the Greek mythology. So Almalexia's blessing was said to do extraordinary things like protect a person infected with the corpus disease and from suffering the disease's effects. So yeah, corpus is pretty nasty. It plays a big part in the story of the Morrowind game. Saint Felms the Bold is said to have been inspired by the voice of Almalexia in his head. The hands of Almalexia were her personal guard and were often called the greatest warriors in all of Tamriel. Like Vivek, she wrote extensively, through, you know, though she focused on children's fables and similar works meant to nurture the morality of her people rather than Vivek's more cerebral and spiritual guidance. Yeah, Vivek is known as the warrior poet, so yes, he can be fierce in battle, but he also spends a lot of time writing and philosophizing. I think it's the correct word for that. In First Era 2920, Mayrun's Dagon destroyed the city of Mournhold. After an epic battle, he was defeated by Almalexia and Sothasil. So yet, uh, 
the end of the third era is not the first time that Mayron's Dagon has basically just tried to destroy everything, which is part of the events of the Blackwood chapters. So, um, so the battle where he was defeated by Almalexia and so the Silvery invaded Mournhold is portrayed in the historical fiction 2920, the last year of the first era. So that's a book you can find in pretty much any Elder Scrolls game. And this historical fiction also suggests that Almalexia foresaw in her dreams the end of the Fourscore War, as well as the end of the Raymond Dynasty. In Second Era 572, Almalexia fought alongside Wolfharth, also known as the Underking, against Ada Sum, Dir Kamal, and, and you know during an Akaviri invasion of the of Northern Tamriel. Sources seem to agree, disagree on certain aspects of this conflict. Mysterious Akavir, which is also a book that you can find in most of the Elder Scrolls games, treats Morrowind as the target of the Akaviri invasion, though Skyrim was apparently the Akaviri's initial target. The Arcturian Heresy, which I talked about quite a bit in the last episode about Talos, claims that Almalexia was the one who summoned the Underking to fight alongside the Tribunal, even though in life he had been one of their greatest enemies. Yorin Scald King, which if you've played ESO at all and have been in um, Skyrim, contradicts this, crediting the Greybeards with summoning the Ash King. The book also claims that Dir Kamal's army was crushed by several Tamrielic military forces, not just the Dunmer army under Almalexia's command. And this occurred at the place called Stone Falls. So that's actually one of the zones in ESO that you can go visit. Sorry, I just had to take a sip of my coffee there. Other sources do not mention the Nordic or Argonian forces which played roles, and Mysterious Akavir says that Dur Kamal was defeated at Red Mountain. Following the Akaviri invasion, Almalexia was a strong supporter of the formation of the Ebonhard Pact. It was she who convinced the Great Houses, Sans Talvani, to join the Pact. During the Alliance War of Second Era 582, the events of ESO, Deshaun was threatened by a cult known as the Malborn, who worship. They were led by the Magistrix, only Vox, uh, sorry, really Vox, not only, once a handmaiden of Almalexia who turned against her during the son's execution. So, yeah, that is a big part of the Ebonheart Pack story in ESO, is you're fighting against the Malborn. For those of you who are unfamiliar with what the Malborn are, they are a secretive cult mainly founded Sean, although initially posing as a philanthropic group working to command the Lotus Plague. So, uh, yeah, they're basically this plague, just... It's a huge widespread disease that you're fighting against and you're trying to find a cure for. And ultimately the plague turns people into kind of like zombies. They're called plague husks. So yeah, that that is what you're doing in the Ebonheart Pact story. 
Alright, so let's talk about what happens when Dagoth Ur returns. So second era eight twenty or sorry, eight eighty-two, Dagoth Ur awoke beneath Red Mountain. The former High Counselor of House Dagoth has been thought dead, but by unknown means he actually forged his own connection to the heart of Lorcan, drawing divine power from it just like the tribunal did and was merely sleeping. So, uh, the High Counselor, yeah, that's uh, Dagothur. When the Tribunal arrive at Red Mountain for their annual ritual bath to replenish their power, Dagothur and his minions attacked them and drove them away, decisively cutting them from access to, heart, to the heart. The Tribunal would spend almost 450 years, virtually all of the Third Era, slowly losing ground. The game Morrowind, Dagothur slowly but surely becomes more and more woken up and so that'll that's kind of why you have to destroy the heart is because through the heart that's how he's getting all this power back so their preoccupation with what had become the devil incarnate for the dumber dunmer is perhaps one of the reasons why vivek avoided war with tiber septum and signed of the third empire with the advent of the imperial rule in Morrowind, Mornhold became a town of two minds. There was much the monarchy did by leading by the imperial appointed king, sorry, and the tribunal led by Almalexia. While there has been no open hostility between the two, there were always undercurrents of tension. The power mainly stayed with the temple, and the monarchy seemed to you know, acquiesce uh, to this reality. The king was, after all, the vassal rule for the empire, and the Morn and Morn, sorry, Marwind had retained its autonomy under the terms of the armistice. However, many feared the violence that would ensue should the king ever attempt to challenge Almalexia's authority. The tribunal. Almalexia had always had a tendency to brood, and without access to the heart of Lorcan, her divinity ebbed. This weighed heavily on her, and she became harsher and more unsympathetic. She stopped walking among her people around 3rd era 377. They built the ghost fence to contain him around 4th era 417. This seemed to work until Almalexia and Sothisil were attacked during a campaign and lost two of the tools of, Cag of uh, sorry, Cagnaric, Sunder and Keening. Though Vivek rescued his fellow tribunes, the tools were lost. The, these are tools that you actually have to go and find in the Morrowind game. And both the real impact of their loss and what it signified proved crippling. Almalexia and Vivek stopped communicating, and Vivek slowly grew, he grew concerned that she would pose a danger to herself and others, and might even try to harm them. Almalexia ceased appearing in public altogether, and the incident was the last known time Sothisil was seen alive. Vivek was left to spearhead the fight against Dagothur alone, and the tribunal was undone. So let's talk a little bit about her, her, her death here. So there is a quote here from Sothisil. She believes her tales implicitly, as does everyone else. Her capacity for 
She sows lies like a master gardener sows seeds, and the harvest of trust and the adulation is in, is breathtaking in scope. Alma Alexia does what she does because she cannot do otherwise. It will not end well. But then, even the best endings rarely bring joy. So yeah, that's a, that's a pretty huge statement right there from Sothisil. It's almost like he knew what was going to happen. So, Almalexia had changed, obviously. that That's pretty apparent. Those few who still saw her noticed that she had begun to act more like a warrior queen than the Lady of Mercy. Those closest to her knew that she had turned into a wholly different person, one who was obsessed with maintaining her image at the expense of everything else. In lieu of divine power, Almalexia exploited her knowledge of, of ancient and powerful relics to inflict terrible punishments on her people for what she perceived as lack of faith. Mary machine to cover her capital city in ash storms. That's messed up. But in her madness, she concocted a new goal to become the one, you know, the one true god of the Dunmer, uniting all of her people under one faith and authority by destroying all who interfere. When the Nerevarine came to Mornhold and after Dagoth Ur's fall in Third Era 427, Almalexia sought to trick, entrap, and destroy him as part of this plot. She first turned on Sothisil and slew him in the Clockwork City, then unleashed his mechanical inhabitants into her own city in order to frame her old friend. So let's back up here. She went in and killed him because she thought it was a trap, and then she tried to make it look like it was self-defense by taking his mechanical creations and you know, having them invade her city. So <laughs> Yeah, that, that's really mess up, messed up. Her ruse then lured the Nerevarine to Sothisil's legendary home, Clockwork City, where she hoped that the reincarnation of her husband would be killed by its inhabitants. So she basically put him on the front lines, hoping that he'd die in combat. When the Nerevarine persevered, Almalexia tried to finish the job herself, but her powers failed her, and she died at the Nerevarine's hand in the Clockwork City. So yeah, you have to kill her. Though Almalexia would call Vivek a fool in her final hours, Vivek, the last remaining tribune, only expressed pity for his fallen deranged lover. By 4th era 201, the time of Skyrim, the last vestiges of Almalexia's marks were gone from, the Mor from Mornhold. The Dunmer returned to the veneration of Boethia, now called one of the re re sorry, reclamations, and managed to make their way without their healing mother watching over them. Almalexia is still remembered and honored as one of the greater saints of the Denmary faith, but not one who is ever supposed to be one of the cornerstones of the religion of the region. Sorry, religion. According to Azura, the death of Almalexia was a boon for all of Mornhold, even if the people did not understand it at the time. The Daedric Prince possessed I'm sorry, professed that the Lady of Mercy would have betrayed the Denmer as surely as she had betrayed all of those she had professed to love, for this was her true curse. So, um, I should mention, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier or not, but in my playthrough of Morrowind, in, in the Morrowind chapter of ESO, you get to see Azura kind of in the flesh, not so much in the flesh, she is 
possessing a couple of different Denver women during the course of the game. But I love seeing Daedric Princes in person, and Azura is always one of my favorites. So, anyway, that is Almalexia. Um, I apologize if there are some dead spots in this episode. This I've been having some technical difficulties throughout the recording of this episode, so if there are a couple... Give me. So, I would like to thank The Hive, as always, for sponsoring this podcast. And, uh, yeah, next I'm going to do So the Sill. And then after that, there is Vivek. And then on with the Daedra. So, if you would like to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TamrielP. You can follow my personal accounts, if you so choose, at iangold08. You can email the show at tamrielicadventurespodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can find me in-game on the Xbox European server at Sulior. And uh, also, yeah, go check out my streams at twitch.tv slash Sulior. Hopefully I can have a little bit more time in the upcoming weeks to stream. I stream Elder Scrolls, Fallout, um, may stream some Mass Effect, Dragon Age, that sort of thing. So... Until then, as always, stay safe, adventurers.